Welcome to Staying the Course. Join us as we navigate the uncompromised Word of God with Pastor Brett Peterson. The peace offering is all about not only making peace with God, but really it's experiencing the peace of God. We're going to talk about that this morning. Every human being has a soul. When you die, your soul leaves your body. Do you know that? You know the Bible says that. It very clearly in Genesis chapter 38, verse 18, it says, And it came about as her soul was departing, for she died, Okay, so there's no question your soul does not stay in the grave and you sleep until Christ comes back and gets you. No. In fact, Paul said to be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. Second Corinthians chapter five, verses one through nine. Our soul is who we are. It's our personality, our thoughts, our feelings, all of our experiences. Russ and I were talking about this the other day. Make up your soul who you are, everything you experience and go through in life. God created these bodies as simple tents. Aren't you glad about that? Yeah. You young people, you have no idea what I'm talking about because you're like, man, I'm, I'm healthy. I have no pain. I'm indestructible. I remember those days. I, I thought about all of that. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 says, Therefore, do not lose heart. For though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. You're as young as you feel. You ever hear that expression? Yeah. So some of y'all just, am I still talking Texan? Yeah, I, I got to get rid of the y'all stuff. It all came back because I used to have a heavy accent. Verse 17. For the momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Heaven is so much greater. Verse 18, while we look not at things which are seen, but things which are not seen. For things which are seen are temporal. What does that mean, temporal? Temporary. Hey, it's all going to burn. In 1 Peter, we read all of this universe, this earth, the elements are going to burn with great heat. What does that sound like, you science people? Thermonuclear explosion. The elements are going to burn with great heat, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Do you know that God desires fellowship and intimacy with you? In the Old Testament, in Leviticus, in chapter 3, where we're at today, the peace offering literally is called by many rabbis the fellowship offering. It's the only offering in the Old Covenant that is all about relationship with God. That's what the peace offering is all about. God wants fellowship with the core of who you are, and that's your soul. Today, we're going to examine that fellowship or peace offering. The offering was a voluntary offering. It wasn't mandatory. So there's some people in the Old Covenant that would only bring the sin offering, right, to atone for sin, but they never had sweet fellowship with God. They never brought the peace offering. And many Christians are in that same boat. Oh, Lord, forgive me for that sin. Now let me just live my life the way I want to live it. And they never have that sweet fellowship, that peace offering with God that he so desires from all of us. Not just the atonement of sin, but the peace offering. So when Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 53, 
truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. He was really referencing the peace offering. Why? It's the only offering that we, as the bringers of the offering, we would bring our lamb or a ram. That's the only one. They, they didn't allow doves in this. Remember the burn offering? The poor people could bring doves because they couldn't afford a, a ram or a lamb. This offering had to be a ram or a lamb. They would have to save up their money if they didn't have a flock or a herd to buy one. They would bring it to that gate of the tabernacle. They would lay their hand on its head. We're going to read that in a minute. And they would kill it themselves. When we were at that ranch, uh, Jake's Ranch in Texas, they have some goats. And they have some little baby goats. Have you ever seen a baby goat? It's like they are the cutest. No, I mean, they're they're cuter than any little puppy you would ever see. They just jump around, and it's like, oh, man, make make miniature goats that we can bring bring back here. It'd be so cool. But could you imagine raising one of those cute things and calling it by name and taking care of it, and then, oh, man, I blew it again. (laughs) Coming to the tabernacle. All right, Billy, goat. I mean, it's like it's been good knowing you, and you grab its horn, and you cut it. Christ became that for us. I'm sorry it gets me so much, but I can sin so flippantly and just flippantly say, oh, your grace is sufficient. Lord, please forgive me. Oh, good, I'm good to go. But it meant something. There was a sacrifice when you sinned, and there was a sacrifice when you desired to have fellowship with God. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, this, I believe, is a reference to the peace offering as well. Why? It's the only offering that you would set down after you offered it and the barbecue was done with all the priests that offered it, you and your family, and you would partake of the meal together. It became this fellowship, not only with one another, but this intimacy with God as well. So when Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door. If knock, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, hey, I'm going to come in to him and have that peace meal with you, that peace offering with you and dine with you and you with me. I love that about the peace offering. There's five sacrifices. The first Three are commitment to God, the burnt offering, the meal offering, or the first two. The third one, where we're at now, the peace offering, is the only one that's about communion or fellowship with God. A part of that offering is the wave offering that we'll read about later. But that was offered at the end of the peace offering. And then there's two for cleansing, the sin offering and the guilt offering. So those are all the five offerings on the altar that that you would be due. The peace offering is the only one that's about relationship and fellowship with God. It's the only one where you could offer a male or a female animal without blemish. Interesting. You think that's God saying, man, all of you can do this. Anybody could offer this one. You just had to have a ram or a goat or a lamb, any of those, no pigeon. It's the only offering everyone gets to eat of or partake of or sit down and dine with the the priest and, in fact, God himself in that fellowship and communion. Leviticus chapter 3, why don't we just jump into it really quick. 
Now, what he's going to do is repeat the same exact thing three times, dealing with the three different types of offerings, the ram, the lamb, and the goat. So we're not going to read all of that because it is repetitive and just simply restating the same thing. So in Leviticus chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Now if his offering is a sacrifice of peace offerings, if he is going to offer out of the herd, whether male or female, he shall offer it without blemish or defect before the Lord. And he shall lay his hand on the head of the offering and slay it at the doorway of the tent of meeting. Again, we need to remember, the priest didn't kill it. You had to kill it yourself. When you kill an animal, it's not an easy thing, especially an animal you've raised that's part of your flock or part of your herd. And as you put your hand on it, you said, I'm transferring my sin and the sin of my family onto you. You are going to pay for my sin. And then you would kill it. And Aaron's priest will sprinkle the blood around the altar. Verse 3. From, from the sacrifice of the peace offerings, he shall present an offering by fire to the Lord. The fat that covers the entrails and all the fat that is on the entrails. The two kidneys with the fat that is on them which is on the loins and the lobe of the liver, which he shall remove with the kidneys. Now, you had to actually field dress the animal as well. You hunters, you know what that's about. So you would have to butcher the animal that just took upon your sins and take all these out, hand it to Aaron or the priests. They would offer it as a burnt offering unto the Lord, and then the meat was barbecued, essentially, and eaten by the priests and you. Verse 5, then Aaron's son shall offer it up in the smoke of the altar of the burnt offering, which is on the wood that is on the fire. It is an offering by fire, a soothing aroma to the Lord. Next in verses 6 through 11, it's the same thing, but it's talking about if you bring a lamb. And then verses 12 through 16, the same exact thing if you brought a goat. Male or female, without blemish, you could sacrifice any one of those animals. Verse 17, it says, it is a perpetual statute. What does that mean, perpetual? Unending. Did Christ fulfill it? Did anyone in the New Testament offer a peace offering after Christ had died and rose again? Think about it. We're going to find one guy that did. It's a perpetual statute throughout all your generations and all your dwellings. You shall not eat any fat or blood. Flip over to Leviticus chapter 7, starting at verse 11. Now, what happens in Leviticus, he gives these rules, and then he restates the rules as instructions to the priests. Does that make sense? So Leviticus, we're going to find duplication. So after we get through the sacrifices, we'll be able to skip on to uh, the priesthood in verse, uh, chapter 8. So Leviticus 7.11. Isn't there a store by that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, this is the law of the sacrifice of the peace offering, which shall be presented to the Lord. If he offers it by way of thanksgiving, then along with the sacrifice of thanksgiving, he shall offer unleavened cakes mixed with oil and unleavened wafers spread with oil and the cakes of well-stirred fine flour mixed with oil. Now that's part of the grain or bread offering. So usually they would go together. Remember, and the grain offering represented what? Christ, the bread of life. 
new life in Christ, all the ingredients. It's amazing. We went over that a couple of weeks ago. Verse 13, and with the sacrifice of his peace offering for thanksgiving, he shall present his offering with cakes of leavened bread. Interesting. Not only do they do the unleavened bread, which is the bread offering, but now in the peace offering, what are you bringing for you guys to eat? Leavened bread. Which tastes better, unleavened or leavened? They both taste pretty good, right? You know, you get pita bread or leavened bread. And, you know, we, we exhausted the bread discussion, so let's keep going. Ah, verse 14. Of this he shall present one of every offering as a contribution to the Lord, and it shall belong to the priest who sprinkles the blood of the peace offerings. Now, as for the flesh of the sacrifice of his thanksgiving and peace offering, it shall be eaten on the day of his offering, he shall not leave any of it over until morning. But if the sacrifice of his offering is a free will offering, it will be eaten on the day he offers his sacrifice, and on the next day that which is left may be eaten. But what is left over of the flesh of the sacrifice on the third day, it shall be burned with fire. So essentially what he's saying is this. If it's a free will peace offering, you can eat it for two days. Now, you think about a big calf or ram or even lamb. That's a lot of meat. So the priests that offer it, which would probably be two, maybe three, their, their families, you and your family, would have a feast for one to two days. But the third day, anything that was left, you would burn on the altar. Are, are you getting that? Okay. All right. So almost like a family barbecue today, with the priests and the presence of God. I love that. So every time you guys have a barbecue, think about the peace offering because it's kind of unto the Lord that you do it. It would last almost two days. That would be two days of celebration. The peace offering was all about, again, what? Fellowship with God. Communion with God and for one another. Wouldn't it be great if we still had this? Call your boss up. Sorry, hey, man, uh, we're doing the peace offering. I'll be at work. Wednesday, because Monday and Tuesday, we're partying with the peace offering, kind of. All right, so I, I think we can get back to it, because there's one guy in the New Testament after Christ died and rose again that offered a peace offering, and he didn't say, don't do this. Hmm. When? Paul made a Nazarite vow. Remember that? Okay, Nazarites are very interesting. Let's, we're going to read about it, but f first flip to Acts 21, verse 23. When Paul was completed with the vow, he had to do something. And what the Nazarites had to do involved the peace offering. Interesting, right? So Acts 21, starting at verse 23. Therefore do this that we tell you. We have four men who are under a vow, and that vow is a reference to the Nazarite vow. Take them and purify yourself. So we believe Paul was still under that Nazarite vow himself, along with them. Pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads, and all will know that there is nothing to the things which they have been told about you, but <clears throat> that you yourself also walk orderly, keeping the law. Now, what did Paul say about keeping the law? He said, I become all things to all men. To the Jew, I become a Jew. To the Gentile, I become a Gentile. 
Paul did not do this out of mandatory obligation. By the way, the peace offering wasn't mandatory anyway. It was a free will offering about communion, literally about new covenant stuff. Verse 25, but concerning the Gentiles who have believed, we wrote, have decided that they should abstain from meat, sacrifice to idols, and from blood, and from that which is strangled, and from fornication. Then Paul took the men the next day, purifying himself along with them. So he went, then they had the temple, to the temple, bringing his offering. Guess what? That would probably be one lamb for each man, because it was a lamb per family went to the temple giving notice of the completion of the days of purification, which was the Nazarite vow, until the sacrifice was offered for each of them. Interesting. So we should all have a barbecue and call it a peace. No, we don't, we don't need to do that. <laughs> that sacrifice was the peace or fellowship offering. How do we know that? In Numbers chapter 6, Samson took a Nazarite vow, right? Do you remember that? And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, when, when either a man or a woman makes a vow, the vow of the Nazarite, to separate himself to the Lord, he shall separate himself from wine and strong drink. All the days of his vow of separation, no razor shall touch his head until the time is complete from which he separates himself to the Lord. He shall be holy. He shall look, let the locks of his hair grow long. Skipping down to verse 13 of number 6. And this is the law of the Nazarite. When the time of his separation has been complete, he shall be brought to the entrance of the tent of meeting, and the Nazarite shall shave his consecrated head at the entrance of the tent of meeting. He shall take the hair from his consecrated head and put it on the fire that is under the sacrifice of what? The peace offering. The voluntary offering. All right. So it would be flavored not with mesquite, but with, <laughs> with, with hair. He would do that for the fat that was burnt up as uh, holy to the Lord. Probably not with the meat that would be barbecued to be eaten. Does that make sense? Okay. Today, Jesus is our peace offering. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Therefore, having been justified by works... Oh, no, faith, having been justified by faith. Do you know that? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Who brings our peace offering? The Lord Jesus Christ. Through him also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we exult in the hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations. Do you do that? Knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. And perseverance, what's that? Cheerful endurance. Not just enduring, it's enduring it with what? Peace, joy, right? <laughs> proven character and with proven character, hope. The peace offering literally in the Hebrew is called the shalaman. And guess where that comes from? You know the word shalom, which is peace. Thus, the peace offering. This was not only an offering to uh, make peace. This was not an offering to make peace with God. It was an offering to experience the peace of God. Are you with me? 
to enjoy that peace. Jesus and the Holy Spirit today are our sources of peace. If you're looking to anything else to find peace, what will you find? Heartache, sorrow, frustration, anxiety. You'll have fleeting moments of peace, maybe, if you listen to uh, 94.7. What is it? The wave? Man, they used to do smooth jazz. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. You just listen to that. Oh, peace. Now they play oldies. And what happened? You know, it's like, come on. Ephesians 2.13, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Why the blood? The peace offering, right? For he himself is our peace. Folks, if you can experience peace through God, and your faith in God, and, and that intimacy and koinonia fellowship that you have with God, you don't need anything else in life to have peace. It is the most amazing things. I got to tell you, I have experienced much of life. Some of you have experienced much more than I have. And my greatest peace, my greatest, most fulfilling times is when I am by myself worshiping God, connecting with the Lord, listening to praise music, and just having that sweet koinonia fellowship with the Lord. There's nothing better than that in life. Ephesians 2.14, for he himself is our peace. Peace defined. In the English, we think of the absence of conflict, right? In the Greek, it's something different. It's erian, and it means peace between individuals, harmony, concord, the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ. And so, fearing nothing from God and content with its earthly lot of whatever that is, a peace that is a calm assurance in the midst of battle and the trials of life. It is truly a peace that transcends understanding. Why? It's more than just a thought. It's more than just a mental, and it's more than just an emotion. It incorporates the core of who you are, your very soul. In the depths of you, that's emotion and intellect. All mixed together, peace permeates all of that. Peace in the midst of trial. Yesterday morning, uh, I went to men's study. I've been having a headache since January. And uh, we're at the men's study, and all of a sudden, I got this really bad pressure in my head, and my whole left side of my body went numb. And I was having a hard time concentrating and finding words what does it sound like it sounds like a stroke so i'm sitting there and i'm like 911 should i get scott to no scott drives crazy he'd kill me on the way there <laughs> um uh pastor chris he has ministry to do i didn't want to take away from that so i wasn't even going to tell him so i come back to the office here and i was feeling so weird and i sat down at my desk and i just pray lord in jesus name heal me right now uh i've got too much to do uh, this can't happen and i started looking at the bible and i was having a hard time even reading weird right and so i'm like okay lord if i'm having a stroke just let me be able to preach even if it's from a wheelchair in the midst of it i had a peace that transcends understanding i wasn't scared i wasn't like Oh, man, I'm, I'm going to die, or, man, when I die, it's like, hallelujah. You know, I'm going 
I'm going on vacation. You know, I'm going to a better place. I didn't fear. I, I just thought, man, if I'm going to be alive, I need to preach. If I can't preach anymore, take me home. That, that's what I prayed. So I get in my car, I drive home, and I didn't want to alarm Cheryl. So I'm like, hey, Cheryl. And I was having a hard time, like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I need to uh, just go to the, and I'm, what is it? Oh, yeah, ER. <laughs> need to go to the ER. And uh, oh, what's wrong, you know? And I'm like, ah, uh, you know, a little headache. And she, what, no, what's, you tell me. And I'm like, well, I, I think, you know, when someone has a, a constriction in their blood vessels in their brain. I didn't want to say, I think I'm having a stroke. <laughs> uh, she drives me there, and we go in, and they do all the tests and the CAT scan, and then they say, okay, we've got this cocktail we're going to give you. And I'm like, what? You know, no, I don't want a mojito. You know? <laughs> no, it's a uh, migraine cocktail. So they hooked me up to the IV. Fifteen minutes later, all the symptoms started going away. And they said, what you're having is called a complex migraine. Have you ever heard of that? Uh, and, it, and it mimics, for some people, exactly the things of a stroke. Uh, the head coach of uh, the Broncos had that not too long ago. He did have a TIA before that, so they thought it was a stroke again. It was actually a complex migraine. So pray for those people that have migraines. And now, wow, I'll, I will pray for you. <laughs> so... Um, it, isn't it great the Lord keeps us humble? But in the midst of that, I got to tell you, I didn't fear. I, I, didn't, I, I didn't like, Lord, have mercy. I, it was like, man, I'm a child of the king. If it's my time to go home, I'm ready. If, if I'm going to stay, then, Lord, give me the strength to do what you've called me to do. I had peace in the midst of the trial the whole time. So Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, what is it? You know it. The fruit of the Spirit, right? I just want to review them again, but the fruit of the Spirit, notice it's fruit singular, not fruits, because the fruits are the people that live in California. I mean, no, the fruit, <laughs> uh, wait a minute, not everybody. The fruit of the Spirit, because you should have all these things. It's one fruit that all the nuances have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Folks, if these are lacking in your life, run to the Lord Jesus, your peace offering, because that peace offering that he gave on the cross, the fruit of that is us sitting down and dining with him and he with us. Oh, it's sitting down with our families and dining with this. If these fruit are not in your home, if they're not in your church, if they're not in your heart, something needs to change. We need to have the fruit of the Spirit in our heart, in our home, in our marriage. Everywhere we go, we should have the fruit of the Holy Spirit. In the New Testament, it's interesting. Every gospel, every epistle, I mean, in the New Testament has peace either at the end or the beginning, except James and 1 John. Do you think it's important? The greeting and departing sayings in the early church was grace and peace. That's how they would greet and depart, grace and peace, grace and peace. Where'd they get that? Who knows? Obviously, peace took from the Hebrew. That was their greeting, shalom. 
it meant peace. So they would say it when they met you, shalom. When they left, shalom. Uh, what about the Greeks? Theirs was grace. Unmerited favor be upon you. That's how the Greeks, the pagan Greeks, would greet each other. This combined it, grace, shalom, peace, and unmerited favor be upon you. Isn't that great? Two things. You think they're important? Yeah. Peace with one another as well. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, we don't have time to read it now, but you can read it later, 8 through 12. Peace must be sought and pursued. With, with one another. Have you ever had conflict with a person, a human? <laughs> I'm the only one. <laughs> Folks, as believers, what does the Bible say? Man, if you go to the altar, if you go to the, the tabernacle to worship God or to offer your offering, and you know someone, that someone has something against you, go and make peace with that person, then come back and worship the Lord. Now, there are certain people that it's impossible to make peace with. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, hey, all you can do is love them, but sometimes love is discipline. Do you know that? And, in fact, the Bible says for those that refuse to repent, don't even eat with such a one. So it's not that you have to tolerate and put up with the idiots in your life. Did I just say that? <laughs> But we do have to try to make peace. Does that make sense? To try to make peace. It's being harmonious. And he lists these in this passage in 1 Peter. Sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted. Do you have these qualities? Humble, that's strength under control. Not returning evil for evil, but giving a blessing instead of a curse. You see, I believe peace is important. And folks, the simple fact is we cannot have the peace of God without being at peace with God. Does that make sense? The first and foremost relationship in your life has to be this. And once that is good, all of a sudden his peace begins to flow into our heart. If that's not good, you will never have peace. The New Testament describes at least three places where we need God's peace. Peace with God, number one. Peace of God, number two. Can't have the peace of God unless you have the peace with God. Are you with me? And then peace with others. When we have the peace of God and experience the peace of God, we can truly extend that peace to others. You know, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons and daughters of God. Meaning, if you claim to be a son or daughter of God, guess what you will be? A peacemaker. In your home, in your neighborhood, at your place of business, at school, wherever you go, you will be a peacemaker. John chapter 14, starting at verse 25 through 31, Christ talks about a lot of that, but he in the middle of that, verse 27, he says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Could we say that could be a definition of peace? Your heart's not troubled or anxious and you're not fearing anything. Guess what? So you're at peace. 
Things that rob your peace are the enemy. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy, the Bible says. To steal what? Your peace. Your joy. Because once he can steal that, I can assure you, you will pursue peace in any way you can find it. Accept that. We need to run to that for peace. We need to run to him for peace. Inner peace is a gift from God. I believe it's one of the greatest gifts. It's one of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Christ as Savior brings peace with God. Christ as Lord brings the peace of God into your life. And Christ as King commands that we make peace with others. Christ is central to all of that. We have positional peace through faith. We're given personal peace through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we're commanded to practice peace, again, by the power of God's love in our heart. While we are proclaiming peace, St. Francis of Assisi said this, with our lips, be careful to have it even more fully in your heart. If there is to be peace in the world, there must be peace in nations. If there is to be peace in nations, there must be peace in the states and the cities. If there is to be peace in the cities, there must be peace between neighbors. If there is to be peace between neighbors, there must be peace in your home. If there is to be peace in your home, there must be peace in your heart. And if there is to be peace in your heart, oh, you must have that peace through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It all comes back to our peace offering, Jesus Christ. True peace was planned by the Father, purchased by the Son, provided by the Spirit. And if you've appropriated God's peace, you will be the most joyful person on this planet, even in the midst of trial, even in the midst of pain. This morning, maybe you need to come to the Lord Jesus Christ as your peace offering. Not your burn offering, not your sin offering today. But today, maybe you've done all of that. You're born again. He's cleansed you of your sin. You're saved. If you just have faith in him, guess what? Repent of your sin. He's faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. All of it. Maybe you've done all of it, but you don't have that peace. Today you need that peace offering, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. The one who can give you peace and fellowship with God and your Christian brothers and sisters. Romans chapter 15, verse 13, Paul wrote, May the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And folks, I got to tell you, when you know him and have his peace, you do not cry at the future, but you have hope and a future. He will go before you. He has a plan for you. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. In the midst of this hectic world, Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 
and forward kind of sums it up for us. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts, your emotions, and your minds, your thoughts in Christ Jesus. Will guard what? The entire core of who you are, your soul. In fact, he's the shepherd and guardian of our soul, the verse we read in the beginning. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence in anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Meditate on these things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. This morning, God wants to give you peace. Maybe you've been struggling. Maybe there's no peace in your heart. I can assure you if there's not, there's no peace in your home. Maybe you have bad neighbors, bad people at work. Whatever it is this morning, the Lord wants you to be a peacemaker. And you can't do it if you don't have his peace. You need his peace this morning. I need his peace this morning. Charles Wesley said this, Peace be to this habitation. Peace to all who dwell therein. Peace, the earnest of salvation. Peace, the fruit of pardoned sin. Peace that speaks the heavenly giver. Peace to the worldly minds unknown. Peace divine that lasts forever. Peace that comes from God alone. I pray that peace be upon you. How do we get that peace? Matthew eleven twenty eight 28, and 29. It's that simple. It's the simple gospel. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Oh, and I will give you peace. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. We get that peace through the Lord Jesus Christ. We all need to run to him. We all need to run to him. This morning, God's saying, hey, come to the altar. Offer up that peace offering. Hey, Christ already did it. All you got to do is look back at the cross and realize that you have peace with God through him. That peace that the world can't even understand. There's a priestly blessing in the Bible. Uh, A lot of high churches say it at the end of each service. Uh, It's in Deuteronomy chapter 4 in the Hebrew. It's Yavarach ka Adonai Yavish Maraka Ya'er Adonai Panav Alakha Vetku Nakha Yesa Adonai Panav Alanach Yavarach Shalom. In the English, we all know it. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. I pronounce that priestly benediction upon you as the Lord pronounces that upon us. 
Come on up, Mark, Scott. You can have peace this morning. The peace of God which transcends understanding. We read in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He guards you. Think about that. You don't have to guard it yourself, but even though at the men's retreat, we're going to learn how to be guardians of our thoughts, guardians of our purity, guardians of the honor and integrity that God has bestowed upon us, and guardians of our families. And we're going to learn how to set up guardrails. Those are boundaries that we do not cross. You know, one boundary we have as pastors in this church is we will not be alone with a woman other than our wife, period. That is a boundary that we have established that there's no way we could be accused of impropriety and there's no way we could be tempted with impropriety in that area because we will not be alone with a woman other than our wives. That's a guardrail. At the men's retreat, we're going to talk about other guardrails. Whatever areas, because you know if a car ever slams through a guardrail, it's not good. It wrecks marriages. It wrecks people's lives. So guardians and guardrails. But Christ, man, he's the guardian of our soul. It says, all we like sheep have gone astray. Each one has turned to his own way. Ah, but we've come back to our shepherd and the guardian of our soul. And folks, the enemy is trying to rip you apart and rob you of your peace. Come to the Lord Jesus today and get it back. Amen. Let's offer that peace offering unto the Lord. Jesus is our peace offering. Sand restores my soul, satisfies my need. Thank you for listening to Staying the Course with Pastor Brett Peterson. If you would like a copy of this message or would like to submit a prayer request or comment, contact us at 949-888-5777 or email us at info at ccbcu.edu. God bless you as you seek and serve him. Remember, stay the course, and we'll see you next week.